Hi everyone, welcome to Hope Denver. My name is Ike Shepherdson. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Hope Denver. We're meeting virtually this morning and just another one of those uh, COVID-related things that uh, we won't have to deal with when this pandemic is over. Uh, but I'm glad you joined us today. A couple announcements before we, uh, we uh, open up the Bible together. Um, if you're interested in joining our musical worship team, if you are, uh, you're technical, you're good with either computers or you have some soundboard experience or you play an instrument, so you sing, we would love to get to know you. Uh, you can go to HopeDenver.com and fill out the Connect card there. Uh, connect card is what you want to look for on HopeDenver.com. Uh, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit more and, and have, you, have you help us on our team. Um, for parents today, we, we won't be having a, a, a kid's part of the service. Um, you can go to the Parent Q app, though, uh, the Parent Q. Um, if you have any trouble with that, you can go to, you can uh, send an email to info at hopedenver.com. But that Parent Q app has some great videos for kids, some good things to talk to your kids about this week, a uh, good way to keep them uh, grounded, keep their discipleship going, even though, again, we're virtual today. Uh, remember that in, here in May, this month, we're doing a formula drive for ordinary nurses. Ordinary Nurses is a, a mission organization that does uh, outreach in Guatemala to uh, mothers and their malnourished children. And so uh, we're raising money for, to buy a bunch of formula and ship it down there. Uh, so please be thinking about, uh, about how generous you can be and we'll, we will uh, receive an offering later in the month for that. And speaking of giving, if you have a gift today, if you uh, have your, your tithe, uh, which belongs to the, to the Lord and you're a regular part of Hope Denver, uh, we we uh, welcome you to give that at hopedenver.com. And as always, we'd love to talk about about where that money goes. Uh, we're an open book, so please please let us know. Uh, today, please give your uh, please open your Bible to Second uh, Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians is a little bit later in the Bible. Uh, it's before the books of First and Second Timothy. It's it's a long ways in there, so uh, you can find Second Thessalonians. And I, I think it's good today if you're listening to this message. To actually open a Bible, either a physical Bible or on your app, follow along. There's no visual aids today, but I think in general, it's just good to have your own Bible that you look through. Um, you can bookmark things and it reminds you of stuff that you've learned later on. Just a good way to, to make sure you stay grounded in the scriptures. Today, we're going to continue our series, Steadfast, Steadfast, where we're learning how to remain steadfast in a world that's chaotic and difficult. In this series, we're working through this second letter to the church in Thessalonica. This was a, a city in the Macedonian re region of Greece. And this was written uh, around about the, the middle of the first century of the Common Era, or the first century AD, around 50 or so. And it was written to people who were suffering, people who were, who were dealing with great loss and difficulty. The people who were listening to this letter being read initially, the original readers and listeners, um, they were being persecuted for belonging to Jesus, for considering themselves to be followers of Jesus. They were getting persecuted for that. Uh, now, in this series, we're learning that what we hope for, the things that we have our minds fixed on, the things that our hopes are, are fixed around, our, our hopes shape what we live for. Uh, and so hope and encouragement in the middle of all of our difficulties, the difficulties of our, our real world, these help us to, to stay steadfast. The right kind of hope, the right kind of encouragement helps us to stay steadfast while navigating the challenges of our lives. Now, today we're going to focus on a specific passage. This is in 2 Thessalonians, and it's chapter 2. Um, and what our focus is going to be is that we have the power to be steadfast through being in God's family, through holding fast to good teaching, and through simply receiving 
God's grace. There's always a message that you need to do more and try harder and work harder and be better. But the message of the Bible is to receive God's grace. <laughs> it's to receive the fact that God loves you, he's providing for you, and he cares for you, and you've done nothing to deserve that. It's just because he loves you. So we're going to open up this uh, 2 Thessalonians. This is chapter 2, verse 13 and following. So go to verse 13, and this is the word of the Lord. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teaching we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Lord, we offer this time to you as we open the Bible together. We're sad not being together physically today, but we know that the bond of love in Christ it unites us with Christians all over the world who are worshiping you this morning. God, thank you for, for the over one billion followers of Jesus in whose family we belong. <laughs> then they're worshiping you today too. We're grateful for them. We're grateful for you. Thank you that you love us and you receive us. Amen. So today what we're focusing on is that we have the power to be steadfast through being in God's family, just by being members of God's family, through holding fast to good teaching, and through simply receiving God's grace. Let's look at verse 13 again here in 2 Thessalonians. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. This section starts with Paul, the author of this letter, saying, but we always ought to thank God for you. And this is in contrast to those mentioned earlier in the book of 2 Thessalonians. The people who refused to love the truth. and That's something that we talked about last week. We need to learn to be people who love the truth and who hate lies. That's a pretty important message for our culture. And I'd encourage you, if you missed last week's message, to check out the podcast uh, to learn a little bit more about that. But this section starts off with Paul saying that we ought always to thank God for you. So he's talking to the, to the people who are reading this letter, who are hearing it as it's being read. And this is an interesting way to look at gratitude. He's not saying that they happen to thank God for them. Uh, he's not saying that, that he could thank God for his friends in this Thessalonian church. He's saying that he has an obligation to thank God. Do you ever think of gratitude that way? We have an obligation to thank God for the good things he's done, for the people in our lives, for his care and provision, for the fact that he saves us from sin and death through Jesus. Friends, we ought to thank God. It's something that we have an obligation to do. We spend so much time thinking about ourselves and our worries, but when you start to be thankful, you find that your focus shifts to God. You become less worried. You become less concerned with the things of this world. I had, I had a pastor as a, as a young man who, who always said this. He said that the enemy can find no home in a thankful heart. We ought to thank God. And who are these people that Paul is giving God thanks for? They're brothers and sisters 
who are loved by the Lord. This is an incredibly beautiful thing about the church of Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters. Now, some of us have earthly siblings, and that's great. I'm, I'm blessed to have great relationships with all of my siblings. But, uh, and a lot of you actually even know my sister Allison, who attends Hope Denver, and she's wonderful. And you, you guys, I know a lot of you know her and love her. But what this is saying is that we are brothers and sisters in a much deeper way with those who follow Jesus. Uh, so we have siblings, but we also have spiritual siblings. We have God's family. And this is incredibly special and beautiful. This means that people who have no earthly family are part of God's family. That, that, that They're not just people who happen to agree with you on some similar religious philosophies. They're people who are part of your family. And this means people all over the world. A large multi-ethnic movement that's actually mostly South and mostly, mostly not white uh, who who love Jesus too, and we're part of that family together. We're blessed to be in their family. This means that, that those who are lonely have a, fam a family. In fact, the scripture says that God sets the lonely in families. I know some of you haven't experienced that here at Hope Denver. Some of you have yet to experience that. I welcome you into the family here at Hope Denver. Perhaps you, know, per perhaps you need to know how special this family is. <laughs> What's so special about this family? This family consists of those who are loved by the Lord. Now, this isn't saying that God only loves people who worship Jesus. God loves everybody. We know that. But our unity and our sense of oneness is based on the fact that God loved us. Even in the middle of, of a pandemic when there's distance with people and, and all of that, we are a people consisted of the fact that Jesus loves us. That's amazing. What an incredible truth that God loves us. Perhaps you need to hear that today, that you're loved by God. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are loved by God. And why does Paul say that he ought to give thanks for these people, these brothers and sisters in Thessalonica? Well, because God chose them to be first fruits, he said. See, Paul is writing to those who were the first people to accept his message in that region of Greece. These, were, these people were no doubt very special to Paul, the first people to respond to his preaching of the gospel. I remember uh, one of the first people that I introduced to Jesus when I was a youth pastor at Living Way Fellowship here in Littleton, Colorado. It was a young man named Mark. Mark, if you're listening, I love you. I miss you, buddy. Uh, but there's something special about introducing people to Jesus. There's something special about that. See, these people... They had been saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and through belief in the truth. See, that's, this is something I, I could never do for somebody that I introduced to Jesus. I could, I could tell them about Jesus and lead them to say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. But you have to believe the truth. And when you do, God sanctifies you. He sets you apart as something holy. He makes you different. And this is something that just telling, it can't do that. See, God is the one who does the real work here. We participate, we, we partner with God, but really God is in the lead. <laughs> he, he's doing all the real work. We're just simply saying, yeah, here's Jesus. You need to know him. And when, when people believe the truth, they're sanctified by God. They're set apart by him for something different, for a different kind of life. Now that word sanctified, that's, some, that's something that's incredibly special. It's a big word, but it's incredibly special. To sanctify something is to set it apart as holy. 
In fact, Jesus' followers are called holy ones or saints sometimes in the Bible. That's you and me. Not people who've just done amazing spiritual things. Um, but you and me, just ordinary people. We're set apart. We're holy ones. We're saints. And it's not that we're perfect. Gosh, it's not that we're perfect. It's not that we won't ever do anything wrong. I'm sure we all have things that we, we regret and things that are, that are snares to us, that we're, we're praying that God frees us from those things. But it's saying that we're set apart for a special purpose. See, a follower of Jesus isn't somebody who's all holy, who's figured it all out, who's just living this really good life. And in fact, we know that that's not true because we see followers of Jesus who let us down every day. But what this is saying is that we're set apart for a special purpose. What's the special purpose? What is it? It's to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. To put others first. It's to make disciples of all nations. To teach other people about who Jesus is. It's to give your life in service to those around you. So that you're not living for yourself. You're not living for retirement. You're living for other people. Your, your special purpose is to tell other people about Jesus. It's to live your life like Jesus lived his. Now, you may do that any number of ways. Your special purpose may be embodied in, in, uh, in writing or acting or selling or number crunching or, or teaching or parenting or praying or supporting customers or, or producing or studying. But whatever that is, Jesus has set you apart for a special purpose. That's to love him and to love others. Not to, not to live for what you want. It's to honor God, to love other people. You've been set apart for a special purpose. That's important because some of you, I know sometimes you fight off the feelings of feeling less than special. Feeling just ordinary. And you know, we, don't, we don't want to be the kind of people who claim that we're extra special. <laughs> but we have been set apart by God if we're followers of Jesus. We have a different role and responsibility in God's family and the world around us. That's to love God and to love others. No matter what you do, you're holy. Your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And guess what amazing things God is going to do with your life when you follow him. Look at verse 14. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a good corrective here, and it's kind of hidden, but the, it's easy to think when we start to talk about something like calling, it says you're called here, it's easy to think that we find our own callings. Um, the way that most people in our culture look at this is that you should, you should look at your calling as something that happens when you're doing what you really love, doing what you really love. Now, the biblical idea is something, it's, it's a little similar. Um, but the first thing that you're called to is to God's family. I mean, sure, you're called to more specific things. Um, this may include a career or a passion or, or maybe like a marriage relationship or good friendships. You're called to those things. But the first thing you're called to is to be a part of God's family in general. That's what you're called to. <laughs> your, your other callings are important. I don't want to minimize those. But you have something that's, that is also really big that you need to keep your eye on. And that's that you're a member of God's family now. Now this comes with all kinds of rights and privileges. And you're co-heirs with Christ. It means that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. It means that you always belong. Even when you struggle to believe, you always belong in God's family. 
When life is hard, you've got a pretty strong daddy that you can go to to ask for help. Uh, you have all this amazing stuff in this family, but it also comes with some responsibilities. Being a part of God's family comes with responsibilities. It means that that you have other people that you need to love and care for. And we need to not forsake God's family. It's easy sometimes to get discouraged or upset, maybe even angry at other people who call themselves Christians. Um, I think all of us have felt disappointed or even angry at Christians from time to time. But you need to remember that you're called to be in God's family, to be saved and set apart for God. So if you believe in, in, in Jesus, you need to be a part of God's family. You're called to it. You need to go to church. You need to be a part of people's lives. You need to, to have community with people who are also followers of Jesus. Uh, you need to... You need to remember that, that you, are, you are called to this. After all, the church is the bride of Christ. That's what the Bible calls the church, the Christian church. It calls it the bride of Christ. I have a friend named Ryan. Uh, he's, he's a theologian. He's a really smart guy. And he says this. He says, you can't say that you love me, but that you hate my wife. Similarly, you can't say that you love Jesus, but hate his bride, the church. Paul says that we're called to this, being a part of God's family. We're called to this through the gospel, the gospel. This is the good news that in Jesus, a new age has dawned on the earth. The king of the universe has come to our world. In the middle of our darkness, a new light has dawned, and it's Jesus himself. And that in this new light, Jesus is creating a, a new creation. Uh, he's, he's bringing about the kingdom of God, and he's teaching us a new way to be human. The gospel is that is that you are welcome, that those who Jesus loves are welcome into his family. And this is an incredibly beautiful thing, friends. It's that, it's that we can do nothing to make God love us more. And it's that, it's that we, are, we are welcomed into this new creation, this new way to be human, just because of what Jesus did. The gospel begins and ends with the finished work of Jesus Christ. <laughs> this means that we're welcomed again into God's family. What's great about being in God's family, being called to love God and neighbor, being called uh, to introduce people to Jesus, it means, this says, that we share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an amazing thing about God. God doesn't just call us to love Jesus and to obey, just to do that. You have a duty, gotta love God. Gotta obey him. Gotta be good. No, it's more than that. He calls us to experience the beauty of being near to Jesus. And that's why Paul here uses the word glory. This has to do with the radiance of Jesus' presence. It has to do with beauty and wholeness and holiness. We get to share in communion with God himself. See, Jesus is glorious in his resurrected body. He's glorious and beautiful, and we get to be near to him and thereby to share in that beauty and that wholeness. Jesus doesn't look around feeling like he lacks things. That's the kind of wholeness that we have from Jesus, the glory of God. And this is an amazing thing now that it happens when we worship Jesus now. We experience the glory of Jesus Christ. It happens when we accept one another in love, the Bible says. 
but also in the future when Jesus returns. We share in the glory of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So here we get Paul's instructions to the Thessalonians. He's saying, stand firm and hold fast. Let's talk about standing firm. This is a series about being steadfast. It's easy to be pushed around by the alarm and alarmism of our culture. And it's easy to be pushed around even by your own internal emotions. See, people are always warning about the next cataclysmic event, whether it's a new wave of pandemic or government spending or inflation, international threats. It seems that people want you to be alarmed and afraid all the time. And I think this even goes for our jobs and our relationships. It's easy to start treating problems like they're crises. It's easy to start treating problems like they're crises. But the people who were reading this letter, they were undergoing significant challenges and problems. Uh, they had serious persecution just because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. This meant shunning in the marketplace. It meant confiscation of property, imprisonment. For some of them, it meant death. They were being killed just because they had allegiance to Jesus. And similar things today happen to Christians in places like China, North Korea, and some countries in the Middle East. This is a real thing. It's not an old problem. It's, it's a common problem still. Now, everything that I've mentioned here, from our contemporary problems today to persecution that's lasted for, for centuries, these are serious things. And Paul's message is not, don't worry about it. There's like bigger spiritual things ahead. And that's, it's not that, that's not his message. He's not saying like, hey, just like take it easy and like go have fun, go have brunch. <laughs> He's not saying that. See, there can be a pull in our culture. A pull in our culture that says that when there are stressful things, you just need to like withdraw and do self-care. Now, it's good to rest and play, to take care of yourself. It's good to clean your room and do your taxes, do your laundry. It's good to take a nap. I'm not, I don't have any problem with these things. In fact, I, I, do, I do these things. Um, but there's a pull in our culture that basically says that we should just withdraw when there's challenges. But that's not the message here. Paul's command, in the middle of the turmoil that these Christians were facing, and I think the Bible's word for us today is that in the middle of all of this difficulty, we need to stand firm and hold fast to what we've learned. The teachings that we see in the Bible, we need to hold fast to those things. We need to believe the gospel. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about you need to believe the gospel. You need to hold fast to the fact that God has come to this world, that Jesus is the Lord, and that you are part of his family. You need to hold fast to that truth. You need to remember what the Bible says. You need to look to it for wisdom. When you're worried uh, and you remind yourself of the truth, your emotions follow suit. This always happens. And this is similar to what psychologists refer to as positive self-talk. But when you remind yourself of the truth of the Bible in the middle of all of your difficulties and worries, it changes how you look at them. And you're able to stand firm and be steadfast. Because the thing is, you don't have to solve everything. In the middle of your difficulties, you have a God who's come into the world, who's invaded our world, and has said, Behold, I am making everything new again. That Jesus is bringing about new creation. And it may not happen as fast as we want it to, but he's doing it. And that means that we don't have to strive and worry. 
And I don't mean that to minimize your worries or your anxieties. I know that many of us have those kinds of things. But what this is saying is that when we keep our eyes focused on the gospel, we'll be able to stand firm. Of course, you take your challenges seriously. You should. But those challenges will seem small because of the grandeur of God's grace. Those challenges will be small because of the beauty of God's gospel. That's what happens when you think about the truth. Your problems are still real, but in the gospel, you have access to God's resources to solve those problems. For these people who are reading this, they would be thinking, you can push me out of Greek society. You can take my property. You can even kill me. But I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm a member of God's family. I'm a child of God. You can take my property, but I'm not going to worry because I have the Lord who will provide. And I'm a co-heir with Christ, which means I, I'm, a, I'm an inheritor of all of God's riches. If not in this life, then in the next. But even in this life, God will meet my needs with the riches that are in Christ Jesus. You can take my life, but I will rise again through Jesus' resurrection. That's what these people would have been thinking. And that's what we need to think about today. With your problems, as serious as they are, your problems are not the end of the story. God is writing a new story in your life and mine. And that new story is built on his gospel, his grace. And what he has done is more powerful than any problem that you'll ever encounter. God has the final word on your life. So, so don't be swayed by bad news. There's going to be bad news. You're going to get bad news again. There's going to be tough stuff that happens in your life. Take your problems seriously, but take them to the Lord in prayer and watch how he'll address those things with his love, his acceptance, his provision. In the middle of your challenges and worries, look to the Lord and remember his teaching. Look at verse 16 and 17. So may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So we need to stand fast and hold the good teaching. If you're not in the Bible, you should get in, get in the Bible. Hold fast to that good teaching. Start reading the Bible a little bit every day. Just like a chapter a day. Start with the book of Matthew, if the Bible's new to you. Matthew's in the New Testament. It tells the story of Jesus. It's a biography of Jesus. Just read a little bit. Hold on to good, good teaching. Hold on to the truth. But we need to stand firm and hold fast. But mostly, we simply need to receive. That's what this is saying. God, by his grace, gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Mostly, what we need to do is just simply receive. You know, there's not really anything that you can do to make God love you more. He loves you with the most love that you'll ever receive from anyone. He already loves you that much. And all you need to do is just say yes. See, love, it requires opening oneself up and just saying yes. Um, somebody could love me all day long, but you see this in the act of a hug, that you have to open your arms to receive that love. And that's really all that we do as followers of Jesus. We just open up and say yes. It's a kind of active passivity, if you like to think of it that way. You can't do anything to make God love you, but you just open yourself up and you passively receive 
his love. But it takes that active act of opening yourself. But when you do, you open yourself to eternal encouragement and good hope. You raise the empty hands of faith and say, encourage my heart and strengthen me for every good word and deed. You can pray that to God. What have you been coming up against this week? What do you have on your calendar for the next week? Where do you need God to strengthen you? See, as I've been thinking about my life in the past year, I've realized in this last week that I have some wounds. Some wounds that I endured during the pandemic. I've shared my pandemic story before. I won't won't share it again now. But I have some words that were said to me that were really awful. I had some professional and personal setbacks that I'm still processing. (laughs) I don't think I'm like all the way through it. And Maybe you've had challenges like this. They could come from any time in your life. Things done to you, dreams deferred, shame that you've endured. Maybe your struggle is anxiety or depression. Perhaps you deal with self-doubt. Perhaps you simply need guidance and wisdom for life's decisions. And maybe you're struggling with persecution for being a follower of Jesus. But know this, whatever's happened in your life, whatever difficulties you've endured. It's much more important that you are loved by Jesus. The love that Jesus has for you puts all of those setbacks and struggles in their proper context. It doesn't get rid of them, but it helps you to start working through them. And the thing is with Jesus is that there's substantial healing for every wound that you and I have endured. I think that's something I needed to hear today. Maybe that's something you need to hear too. In Jesus, there is substantial healing for every wound that you've endured. For every anxiety, for every depression, for every little bit of self-doubt, for those little voices that say that you're you're not enough. In Jesus, there is healing for all of those wounds. Your challenges are not the end of your story. You are not your failures. You don't have to be defined by other people's rejection of you. You are God's child. You belong to him. You're in his family and he will strengthen you through his spirit. You notice that it doesn't say, and God will take all of your problems away immediately. (laughs) It doesn't say that. It says that God will strengthen you and encourage you for every good deed and word. God wants to use you, friend. If you're listening to me, God wants to use you. He wants to use you to do good things in this world. That's an exciting thing, that God wants to use you. So as we close, I have a few encouragements for you. Remember that you're in God's family. If you regularly join this live stream or listen to the podcast, I'm so glad you do. I'm so glad that you you regularly listen. But I'd also encourage you, if you don't have a family of, of Christians that you worship with regularly, you need to get one. You need to remember that you're part of God's family. Don't just show up on Christmas and Easter. Show up more often. Come to the church. You're welcome. No one's going to make you feel weird. Come, to, come be a part of God's family. You, you already are a part if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus. So come and take part. Come and participate. We need you. We want you. (laughs) We want you to be a part. 
You're wanted in God's family now. And I have no judgment for you if this has been hard in the past, if you just never really developed that muscle. And I also have no judgment for you if you find it sometimes a little odd or strange. But push through that. <laughs> I think if you do, you're going to find a lot of encouragement, a lot of hope, a lot of fun on the other end of it. Secondly, I encourage you today to hold fast to God's teaching. One of the ways that we stay steadfast is by reading the Bible and spending time with other people who read the Bible. Other people who keep you grounded. See, the knowledge of God's word is what can keep you grounded when everything else is chaotic. So a regular habit of reading to or listening to the Bible helps you to remember what the truth is. So that when you hear lies, you'll remember what the truth is. If your life is filled with negativity and setback, God's word will remind you of God's hope. If your life is stressful, and whose isn't? <laughs> God will remind you of God's peace. God's word reminds you of these things. So hold fast. Stand firm. And listen to the truth of the scriptures. The third thing today, the first thing I said was to remember that you're in God's family. The second is to hold fast to God's teaching. But if there's really one thing that I hope that you'll receive today, it's that you can simply receive God's grace. Receive God's grace. Maybe wherever you are right now, you can open your hands up to God and just imagine your whole life in your hands. And let's pray this prayer together. God, I pray that you would fill me with your grace. Your grace in the Bible means your unmerited favor. You love me. It's not because I did anything good. It's just because you're a God who loves me. So my hands are empty. I bring nothing, and I just say, God, fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit. You have good words and good deeds set aside for me, things that I should do, things that I should say. And I can't do those on my own, so I need your grace. You have a calling for me, and I can't do it on my own. I need your grace. I have healing ahead of me, and I can't heal myself. I need the great physician. So touch me with your grace today. In Jesus' name.